Tonight we are continuing in our series, looking at the wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Um, you know, wisdom in Proverbs. So each week that we've been on this series and each week that we've been talking about it, uh, we've been looking at a different topic. Uh, we looked at uh, our speech, we looked at our plans, we had an introduction to uh, wisdom. In a couple of weeks, we'll look at our, our hearts, we'll look at friendships, we'll look at some other things. Uh, everything that we're doing, every topic that we're talking about, we're relating it back to the idea of wisdom. Wisdom is all over the book of Proverbs. Um, godly wisdom, uh, how we can have wisdom, how we can be wise people. And so we're talking about money tonight, and specifically what we're talking about money is wise money, or making wise choices with our money, or making wise financial uh, decisions. That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Proverbs actually has a lot to say about money, as you can see. This is not even exhaustive. These are just some in, of the ones that are there and some of the points that we'll talk about tonight. Uh, so Proverbs has a lot to say about uh, how we handle our money and uh, the benefits of money, the evils of money, uh, and greed and some of the things along with that. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about money uh, and how we use our money all throughout it. Uh, and so it's important for us to, to talk about it, and we couldn't do a series in Proverbs without talking about uh, being wise um, in our money. It's important, I think, that we note at the beginning of this, before we go any further, before we dig into any scriptures, um, we'll see this as we go through tonight, that the beginning of, of talking about wisdom, wisdom isn't discerned or determined by the amount of money that somebody has. <laughs> okay, let's say it like that. Um, wisdom isn't determined by the amount of money that somebody has. So that's to say we don't look at somebody and go, there's a wise person because they have millions of dollars in the bank and they have all these investments and all these other things. Now, certainly from a worldly perspective, uh, we look at that and we say, yeah, man, that person's really wise with their money. They got it all going on. Uh, but just because you have a large sum of money doesn't mean in the spiritual sense of things that you're wise and that you're doing the wise things with your money. Uh, in the same way, wisdom isn't measured by the smallness of a person's financial resources. So that's not to say that just because you don't have a lot of money in the bank that you aren't wise with your money, especially spiritually. You know, we're talking about uh, you know, wise spiritual choices uh, and making those wise choices with our money. So just because a person may not have a whole lot, it doesn't mean that they aren't making wise choices and that they're not doing exactly what God wants them to do with their money. Uh, and so spiritual and financial wisdom isn't measured by the amount of money that we have. Uh, spiritual financial wisdom is measured by our attitudes toward money, how we acquire that money, and how we use that money. Those are kind of the things that I'm thinking and using this, that spiritual financial wisdom is measured by our attitude towards money, how we acquire that money, and how we use uh, that money. Churches have gained a not-so-great reputation sometimes when it comes to money. Um, and so we kind of have that reputation in the world that it's thought that a lot of times all churches really care about is money. All churches really care about is what's going into the offering plate. Uh, and sometimes you'll, you'll even hear accusations about, you know, guilting people um, into giving money so that they can experience God's blessing in their lives or uh, maybe even on the extreme of that, that they could experience salvation, but only if they give money. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that there are blessings connected to giving, um, but it's important that we talk about money for several reasons, um, you know, not just... Uh, filling up the offering plate, although like I said, there's, there's some, a lot that the Bible says about giving to God um, 
in, in connection with that giving to the churches, but there's a lot of other reasons that we can and should talk about money. Money is a huge problem in our world. And I see a lot of you shaking your heads because maybe you've experienced it, that money is kind of a problem uh, sometimes, or certainly, you know, you know about it. I read an article of 2013 from the Huffington Post, so this is not from a Christian source, that says that financial arguments are the number one predictor of divorce in a marriage. The number one predictor, if you are having arguments in your marriage early on, um, certainly if you don't know the Lord, it's very likely that that is going to be a huge contributing factor if you get divorced. Um, It's a big deal. Money's a big deal, and the way we handle money is a big deal. Uh, I also read a report from Bloomberg. Again, not uh, not a Christian source, not that there's anything wrong with Christian sources, but I'm saying these are the problems in the world, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows that there's problems with this. Bloomberg report from uh, just earlier this year says that the average household has about $16,000 worth of credit card debt. That's just credit card debt. That's not mortgage. That's not car payments. That's not student loan, other types of debt. $16,000 worth of credit card debt. Um, Because of this large burden of debt that so many people carry, it forces us to work long hours, multiple jobs, Uh, multiple people in the family working, just trying to pay all the bills. And that's not good on a family. That's not good on kids, especially if you have kids at home. And so we're swimming in all of this debt, and then we're thinking about what we're going to do and how we're going to overcome it, and then we get depressed, and then we get anxiety about all these things. So money is a big deal in our world, and we see a lot of struggle even outside of the church, people struggling with money. So it's important that we talk about it and see what God has to say about money Because God gives us instruction about how we should handle it. And if we follow these instructions that he gives us, um, we won't run into a lot of the problems that everybody is experiencing, both in and outside of the church. Uh, And so we need to talk about money. Money is, um, you know, God never intended for us to be mastered by money like we seem to be. Money is a tool. It's an object. And it only has as much power uh, as we give it. And so, like I said, God gives us instructions on how to deal with money. So here's the outline that we're going to look at tonight and some verses that we'll look at. Um, And I figured instead of you just writing down every verse and uh, every reference that I mention, uh, I just give it to you in a paper. (laughs) It's a little easier. Uh, We may or may not read all of these, but these are some things that uh, uh, can help you when it comes to money. So what does the Bible, specifically the book of Proverbs, have to say about money? Well, first of all, it has to say this. When it comes to money... The best thing to do and the wise thing to do is to put God first in your money. Uh, And I see some heads shaking, so we're on the same page. Um, You know, this is kind of connected just to, I think, that idea that we mentioned the very first week, uh, and and we've mentioned it in the week since, about just being a wise person in general. Uh, What does Proverbs have to to say about wisdom? Well, in chapter 1, verse 7, Uh, The writer of Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if we're going to be wise people, we should want instruction. We should want um, to learn. We should want to know what God has to say. In chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So again, we get this idea that if we're We want to be wise, we submit ourselves to God, and then God helps us with the things that are in our life, and God gives us wisdom. 
and how to handle them and how to go through uh, life and how to handle each one of these topics that we're talking about in this series. Those are kind of uh, key verses for understanding wisdom in Proverbs and understanding um, you know, our, our series here. But Proverbs also says some specific things about money. Uh, chapter 3, verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over uh, with new wine. And so we get this idea that the writer is saying, hey, the wise thing to do is to honor the Lord with the money that you have. How do we honor the Lord with the money that we have? Well, there's several ways uh, probably that we could honor the Lord with the things that we have, but the way that he specifically mentions it is by uh, with the first fruits, first fruits of all your crops. That was the huge thing for um, the Jewish people, for the Israelites. They took their crops, they took the things that they had, and they offered them uh, at the temple to the Lord as an offering. Um, in the next passage that's on there, chapter 8, uh, we talked a few weeks ago about wisdom being personified. That is wisdom given uh, human characteristics just for the sake of kind of making illustrations. Uh, and this is what's happening in chapter 8, um, verse 18. Wisdom is like speaking, being personified. And wisdom says, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. So even thinking about prosperity, honor, and riches, they're found in wisdom, not the other way around, right? So if you want, uh, you know, if you want prosperity and you want blessings in your life, that's not found through the pursuit of money. That's found in wisdom, which comes from the Lord. Uh, so honoring God and putting God first in your finances. Um, just a couple more Proverbs that uh, I really liked. I really like this one, Proverbs 22, 2. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. God does not care how much money you have. And because somebody has a lot, that doesn't make them more special in God's eyes compared to somebody who doesn't have. Uh, God is um, our maker and... He is Lord of all of us, uh, regardless of our financial state. And so that speaks to the, the pursuing of wealth and the pursuing of money, right? It's not about how much we have. It's not about how much we can acquire. It's about us serving the Lord and doing what he wants us to do. And uh, one more proverb before we get into to Luke, and we'll talk a little bit about the Luke passage um, Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness, but cast a glance at riches, uh, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. <laughs> riches will fly off to the sky like an eagle. And the writer says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Why? Because that's not what it's all about. And just when you're ready to put all of your hope and your trust in riches, it can be gone. It's not eternal. It doesn't last uh, forever. So it's wise that when it comes to our money that we put God first. And Jesus speaks about this too. I want to I hit this passage because it speaks really well to uh, exactly what has, has been said already in Proverbs. Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, uh, you know, the background for this is the dishonest uh, manager, right, who is, uh, you know, was, was shown grace and... Um, and now he's uh, 
uh, not done wise uh, with what he's, he's had. Uh, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. These are Jesus' words um, after he, he tells this, this parable. Um, and I like what he says, because he's talking about money. And so in verse 10, when he starts this, he says, whoever can be trusted with very little uh, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And so we get the picture that he's talking about money, right? If I can trust you to do what's right with $10, then I can trust you to do what's right if I give you $100, right? Or if I can trust that you can manage money or that you can do the right thing, then I can trust that that you can handle more money and more responsibility. And so we, we get this idea that it's just about money, but then he pulls in verse number 11 and he kind of takes it in a different direction. He says, if you're not able to be trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What are the true riches? Heaven. The things of the kingdom, Right? And so it goes much bigger than that, and I almost get this picture from it, uh, if, if I can, can look at it like this, that, you know, yeah, God's concerned about our money and the way that we handle it and whether we're wise with it or not, uh, but it goes so much bigger than that because in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of the kingdom, money is a small thing. And sometimes we, you know, it's like you put the quarter in front of your eye kind of thing. Like money's all that we can see if it's right in front of us. But if we pull it away in, in the big picture, it's such a small little thing, but yet we allow it to rule our life. And we allow it to rule our life because we do the exact opposite of what Jesus says and the exact opposite of what Proverbs teaches. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He says, you can't serve God and money. And so many times we try to do that. We try to serve God, yet we are, you know, we don't like to say it, but we're kind of greedy. We like to have things, and we're not always the best at giving, and so we like to amass uh, as much as we can, and that speaks to the condition of our heart. We can't do that. We can't serve God and try to serve our own interests and try to serve money as well. That's not the wise thing to do, and if we live like that, then we can't be entrusted to do the great <clears throat> excuse me, and amazing things that God has planned for us in the kingdom because we can't be trusted with the true riches. So we have to honor God first with our money. We have to be wise and we have to understand that God is the one that gives us our money. Everything comes from him. He is our Lord and we should be wise with all of the things that we have so that he can bless us, maybe not even financially because blessings come in other ways, but if we're doing what God wants us to do and we're being wise and we're following him, he will bless us and he will open up more opportunities for us to be a part of true riches in ministering in the kingdom and, and you know, doing those other things. Well, another thing to think about as we, we think about money and being wise with our money is, is just think about this, to remember that wisdom and righteousness are more important than money. Um, having wisdom and righteousness and, and valuing those things and seeking after those things is more important than seeking after uh, money. And of course, uh, as before, there's, there's Proverbs that speak of this. Um, 
15.6, the house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. Uh, and so we've got that idea there that the righteous people um, have you know, treasure, and that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're righteous that you are going to have uh, you know, overflowing bank accounts. Um, but you have treasure, and what you have, you, know, you understand the importance of it, and you understand the role of it. Um, but all of the income of the wicked people and the unwise people, ultimately it just brings ruin upon their lives. Um, because we seek after all this money and all this gain, and we have nothing to show for it. Uh, chapter 16, verse 8, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Um, 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. And so again, we get that idea about you know, serving God, being righteous, having wisdom, and uh, God blesses that. Chapter 28, verses 6 and 25. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. And verse 25 says, the, gurdy, the, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Uh, and so, you know, again, we get that idea from the Proverbs. And these are just, you know, short little sayings. Um, that are, are a little difficult to, to unpack like a big text of Scripture, which is why I've got some of these see also passages as well, uh, because they confirm everything that these little sayings and Proverbs are saying. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening here in um, um, you know, Romans and in James. Um, what Romans talks about is, is judgment. Uh, this is like a judgment sort of thing. Um, and it says this in chapter 14, verse 10. It says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. We will someday stand before God and have to give an account of our life. And what are we going to say to God when that happens? I spent my whole life seeking after money, or I spent my life serving you, seeking after wisdom and righteousness. Uh, and James talks about this as well. Let me read James, uh, starting in chapter 3, verse number 13, and he pulls in wisdom with it. Uh, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace Loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so, you know, we're kind of going through here and say, well, okay, money's not mentioned specifically, but what is? Jealousy? Envy? Um, you know, of which we, we kind of get from that greed, um, the desire to gain things for us and to make our lives um, better in forgetting about all of the other things, forgetting about what God wants us to do, forgetting about being loving and showing love to other people. And he continues in chapter 4, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so it's really all about, you know, the, 
the, that nasty, sinful condition of the human heart that we want to do these things, that we want to have pleasure in our life, that we want to have all of this great stuff, and we seek to attain that in forgetting about God and, and pushing aside wisdom and righteousness and living for uh, for the kingdom. So it's important to remember that when it comes to money, um, you know, like Greg said, um, you know, money has a purpose and money can be a tool for things. When I need something fixed, um, you know, it helps to have some money to spend to get, you know, something fixed in the house or in, in you know, the car or whatever. Uh, it helps to have, you know, money to buy food. But seeking after money for all of these different things and then forgetting about wisdom and righteousness, that's backwards. We shouldn't be seeking after money. We should be seeking after wisdom and righteousness because ultimately they are more important than money. And ultimately when it comes down to it, when we stand before God, those are the things that are going to matter. It's not going to be how much we have in our bank account or how much wealth we have amassed. It's going to be about our, our life and serving God. Good. Let's move on um, so we can get through some of this stuff. Uh, point number three, we'll get a little more into the practice of it. Point number three, um, not just talking about the, the theory and the, the theology behind money, but the practice of it, how to use our money with wisdom and integrity. Uh, first of all, recognize that money is limited. Proverbs 11.4 says, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers um, from death. And so we get that idea. Um, Money can't buy you salvation. <laughs> money has its limits. Money has things that it can buy you, but it can't buy you the things that really, truly matter. Um, Proverbs 23, 5, Cast but a glance at riches, they are gone, uh, and surely they will sprout wings and fly to the sky like an eagle. We read that, kind of ties in with chapter 27, 24, For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. So it's possible that gold can lose it's value. It's possible that anything that we would put you know, value in like this and say that it's money um, can lose its value, and none of it's going to last forever. And we can't take it with us when we go. Right? I remember an old like, country, southern gospel song, right? You can't take it with you when you go. You can't take it with you when you go. Um, another way that we can use our money uh, and think about money with wisdom and integrity is to guard ourselves against greed. Um, chapter 11, verse 28 says, Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And so if we only put our hope and our trust in money, then we'll fall. And we get into maybe even that famine situation, right? Like it doesn't matter what we have because it's not worth anything. Um, chapter 15, verse 27, The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. And so in other words, somebody that's not greedy and somebody that also has integrity um, God blesses them with life, but greedy people bring ruin to their lives and to their families. Uh, in chapter 22, verse 1, a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed as better than silver and gold. And so what that really speaks of is our, you know, it, our reputation, who we are, the things that we're doing is so much more important than the things that we're gathering. Uh, it's not about being greedy and gathering all these things. It's about how we're living our life and what we're doing. Uh, and, and, you know, the sub point three for this is to use our money with integrity. Uh, chapter fourteen twenty, the poor are shunned by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Ties in with chapter 19, 4. Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Uh, kind of what's going on here is that we're talking about money. We're talking about rich people, you know, 
seem to have a lot of friends, quote-unquote friends, when there's money. And then what happens is that when we, you know, if we happen to come into money or, uh, you know, we, we make friends with somebody who has money, sometimes we can tend to forget about the poor people <laughs> that don't have, uh, even if we came from that. Uh, ties in with chapter 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And so we get the same idea about ruling over um, the rich, ruling over the people that don't have any. Um, this next passage talks, I love this next passage. Chap- chapter 30, verse number 7, speaks about having just the right amount of money. In fact, it's a prayer asking God for just the right amount of money. Here's what it says, chapter 30, starting in verse number 7. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Um, speaks of having, you know, the right amount of money. And so it's that, it's that greed thing. It's about having integrity, not wanting to be greedy, um, not wanting to be dishonest, not wanting to steal, but doing what's right for the Lord. Uh, and it reminds me, you know, of... of What's uh, Jesus' prayer? Uh, give us today our daily bread. Give us the things that we need today. Um, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough to worry about. Um, you know, so don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today and let God uh, provide for you. And let me just hit this last point, and we'll have a final uh, point of discussion here. Uh, when it comes to wise money, I think it's important that we recognize that we should use our money to bless others. Um, Proverbs has some really good things to say about this. Chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Right? So it says the person that gives, uh, God blesses the person that withholds, uh, eventually will, will come to ruin. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. And so God sees... Um, you know, the things that we do with our money. He sees what we do to bless others, and he blesses us. And uh, in turn, you know, other people are generous to us. Um, you know, and there's, there's some other Proverbs there um, that I'll, I'll let you read um, that speak to the same sort of idea. I want to hit, speaking of using money to bless others, um, I think this is important. And, you know, we talk about tithing, and, um, you know, I, I intentionally left tithing out of this because as far as I could find in the book of Proverbs, I didn't see anything that mentioned specifically, you know, uh, the giving the 10% and things. And we kind of, you know, kind of hit that with, with um, you know, putting God first with our money as far as giving first fruits and things of that nature. Uh, and we've had other things on, on tithing as well. Um, and so I really wanted to focus and emphasize using our money to bless others because I think it's important that we do that. Uh, as I mentioned, above and beyond just what we might put in as a tithe or an offering in, uh, in the offering plate. And I think that's important. I think we should do that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but I think we should do this as well. I want to read and, and kind of walk through uh, this little bit in 2 Corinthians, which is, is so cool. Here's what's happening. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church, and he's letting them know about another church that was in the area that had done... Um, uh, a really, some really nice things and helped give to Paul and support Paul and his friends. And he says this in chapter 8, verse 1, 
He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave me as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Uh, and so Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's, he's telling them about these other churches that have supported them. And I like what he says. He says, they did this because they gave themselves to the Lord, right? In other words, they were opening themselves up to the things that God wanted for them and, and living in accordance with the things that God was, was speaking to them and the instructions that they had and the way that Jesus wanted them to be. They opened themselves up to the Lord, and when they did that, God worked in their heart to be able to open up their giving to, uh, to Paul and his companions. And Paul says in verse 7, he says, See that you also, you in the Corinthian church, see that you also excel in this giving. And Paul talks over and over, you know, he kind of says, you know, not for me. Don't excel in the giving for me because he's always kind of like, you know, God's going to take care of me, but do it because... This is what God is leading you to because God wants you to be generous, because God wants you to help those who are in need. And it comes down to, to you know, what he says in verses 13 and 15. He says basically it's about equality. And what he says is that it's about these people didn't have anything, but they gave anyways. And so those that have are going to give back, you know, to them and God's going to bless them. But then at some point the tables might be turned. And the person who has a lot now and doesn't need anything from anybody right now, at least financially, at some point, they might find themselves in great need, whether it's finances or other things. And you know what? Those other people are going to be there to be able to help them. Um, and we get this idea that it's all about, it's about sharing, it's about blessing others, it's about not hoarding things for ourselves, but following the Lord and allowing Him to speak to us. Um, to help each other out, because I think that's what, that's what Jesus wants from us. He doesn't want us to uh, amass all of these treasures for ourselves. He wants us to help other people. He wants us to do good for other people. Uh, and he wants us to use our money in a wise way that, that spreads the gospel and, and benefits and advances the kingdom. Uh, so uh, hope, hopefully, you know, you take this home, you read through some of these, you think about it. Um, God will continue to speak to you. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful for your word, thankful for your spirit that speaks to us. And God, I just pray that you'd help all of us as we continue to follow you and serve you with our hearts and our lives. God, I pray that you'd help us to be wise with our money, uh, that you'd help us to be wise in the way that we use it. Lord, I pray that you would grow within us the faith that may be needed and the trust that may be needed to, to step out and to follow you. Uh, whether that's in, in tithing or giving offerings or helping uh, those around us being sensitive to the needs of people. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you change our hearts? Would you get rid of the greed and, and the envy that's, that's within us, the desire to uh, gain wealth, Lord? And would you replace it with your spirit that's filled with love, that's filled with compassion, um, that's filled with a desire to do great things in this world and to help people? And Lord, as we do that, I pray that you'd help us by opening the doors for us to be able to share the gospel with others, uh, to be able to support um, ministries and missionaries and people who are active in spreading the gospel. And uh, we pray that you would do great things in us and uh, through our giving, Lord, 
uh, as we trust you and as we follow you. God, we thank you so much, and we ask all this in your name tonight. Amen.